It's time for America's six favorite Georgia Bulldogs football podcast. That's right. It's the Dogs on Top, Even on Bottom podcast. Without further ado, here's Matt and Kyler with another week of reflection on Georgia Bulldogs football and career life decisions. Yes, we are back. It is another season of the D-O-T-E-O-B. And boy, I mean, I it's hard to believe we started this thing now going on its eighth season, Kyler. And the crazy thing is, is I feel like if you would have told me at season one, episode one, that we'd be standing here back to back national champions going for our third straight, I'd be saying to you, sign me up. Where, where, you know, take my soul right now. It's done. It's a done deal. Oh, man. But my partner in crime, as always, the one, the only, Kyler Carr. How are you feeling about it, dude? I mean, pretty unbelievable feeling. We started this uh, same time Kirby uh, came on as the head coach. And, you know, the past past few years, you know, have been absolutely just a – just a roller coaster, but, uh, you know, we're, we're at the top now and, and, you know, ready to make some history this year. So it's exciting time to, I feel like I say that every year, it's exciting time to be a dog, but truly, you know, this year it's like, you know, we're, 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 we're the ones that everybody wants to be right now. So it's a, it's great to, to be in that position and, uh, you know, have the opportunity to go out and make history this year. You're exactly right, Kyler. This year's an exciting year to be a dog. I feel like the college football landscape is absolutely wide open. And, you know, Georgia comes in as the number one team in the country and obviously brings back a ton of talent that we're going to get into. But beyond that, I think that something that, and I know we spoke about this in some previous podcasts, but really has come into focus, I feel like this year for me is, we're playing with house money right now. Like, yeah, we're going to be insane. And yeah, I truly believe that we are going to three-peat this year. But as well, I mean, oh, what's going to happen if we if we lose and we don't three-peat? Nothing. We still will have won back-to-back national championships. And that, I don't know, that like is money in the bank for all of us. And so I think that there is a there's a certain enjoyment and a certain stress level that I, I that you know I, I think a certain stress level that maybe took away some of the enjoyment. Maybe you know the high was super high, but the lows were super low. Now I can just sit back and just enjoy the games and enjoy like the freaking absolute juggernaut that Kirby Smart has built at the University of Georgia, and yeah, just be in appreciation, but. Before you know, we get into it, Kyler. Uh, any any fun you know things to update us on? Any any craziness happened to you in the off season? I mean, just you know, out there slinging mortgages uh, right now. You know, trying to um, perfect my my craft and and, and really immerse myself in, in the mortgage world. It's been fun. It's been um, great. You know, meeting all kinds of new people. Um, you know, through my job. So that, that's kind of been keeping me going. Um, been traveling a little bit here and there, but yeah, no, nothing crazy to update. Um, you know, I went to, I went to a great Rufus to soul concert recently. Um, you know, great Australian DJ. Um, always fun to, to let your hair down at one of these outdoor venues and, and cut loose. But, but no, just, uh, now that fall is here, you know, my, my true passion college football is back and, and, 
couldn't be more excited. Um, just told, there's a lot to be excited about this year with this uh, this Georgia team, and um, you know, ready to to you know tee it up between the hedges. I am so ready to tee it up between the hedges. A little unfortunate that they had to cancel the Oklahoma game, so we don't get that you know kind of marquee non-conference matchup. But also, I, I do think that it's a good thing with a new quarterback to at least kind of ease him in, give him some time and some, you know, games that are very, very winnable uh, to kind of get a little bit of his sea legs under him. I know Carson Beck has seen, you know, not insignificant minutes just due to the fact that Georgia has been a pretty dominant team for the last few seasons and he was backing up Stetson. But as well, you know, the bottom line is I think starter minutes are different than backup minutes. There's no doubt about it. And so him being able to get some backup minutes, I feel like, or him being able to get starter minutes now, yeah, is going to be a good thing to kind of boost his uh, confidence. Um, One thing before we really get into it, I will say, I've I switched careers, switched jobs. I'm now actually full time sports, and it's been freaking awesome. And so uh, we may be teasing some more stuff later. But uh, Kyler and I, as kind of a part of this job switch, are kind of we're cooking up something a little different for y'all. And uh, you know, uh, we may be we this may be closer to the end than maybe some of you would like for the DOT EOB, but. It doesn't mean we're done. It just means we might be, we're, we're going to be thinking, you know, cooking the stew, going back in, adding some ingredients, doing some different stuff. We're excited about it. But with all that to say, let's get right into the college football season, Kyler. What is the big thing on your mind when we come to 2023 college football, 2023 Georgia Bulldogs? Is, is there a question or is there a certain statement? Like, I, yeah, what is the big thing, do you think, the big theme of the year? Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing this year is, is replacing the quarterback position. We're, we're having to replace Stetson Bennett, who's you know now going to be on the Mount Rushmore of uh, Georgia football up there with the Herschel Walkers of the world and David Pollux, which is just kind of crazy to say. I feel like I have to eat crow a bit for some of my takes on, on Stetson Bennett the last – uh, yeah, maybe a few years ago, I definitely uh, got back on board last year. But um, you know, replacing a guy like that that had the production that he had, um, it's going to be interesting to watch and, and see how uh, Carson Beck has been named the starter to see how he gels with the you know, talented group of receivers and you know one special tight end they brought Bowers. You know, uh, I feel like all eyes are going to be on him. But you know, like you mentioned, uh, kind of in the intro, he's got a about a three-game runway there to, to get adjusted and acclimated and, and get on the same page with his receivers. So uh, not, not nearly as concerned with, with, with Carson, though, as I am with uh, the defensive line, you know, re- replacing um, a guy like Jalen Carter. I think that's, that's uh, something that's not talked about as much as the quarterback position, but um, equally as important. And I think that Kirby's going to have to orchestrate pressure in different kinds of ways out there. So seeing how, but you know what, but one of the things that is in our favor is we have a lot of uh, experience uh, on the defensive line. You know, Warren Brinson, Zion Logue, Nazar Stackhouse, um, all savvy veterans, Tremel Walthour. I feel like he was in college when I was in college. Uh, it's kind of crazy that he's, he's still around, but the COVID year, red shirt, all of that, uh, you know, we've got some, we've got some old men, uh, on this defensive line and, and that leadership, I think is going to, 
um, kind of solve any kind of questions we have uh, around that defensive line position. But, you know, for me, it, it's, it's are we going to be able to orchestrate pressure from the defensive line position? And uh, is Carson Beck the guy? Um, we all, we all want to see him get out there. I'm excited about um, his abilities. Uh, I think he doesn't get enough credit for how good of an athlete that he is. I mean, this guy was uh, University of Florida. Um, not that I like Florida or anything, but he was a baseball commit for them. Um, which is you know, one of the top baseball programs in the entire country. Um, but he eventually decided to switch that commitment over to football and, and go play for the University of Georgia. And he's a guy that has uh, really waited his time to um, not, not many quarterbacks um, can say that this is their fourth year on campus and you know, they didn't transfer out and, and go get playing time elsewhere. He, he really truly paid his dues and, and he's ready to, I think he did a great job learning from the quarterbacks before him, whether it was JT Daniels or, uh, you know, Jake Fromm or whoever it may be, Stetson Bennett. Um, I feel like he uh, was a sponge during that time and, and, and is and is ready for his moment. And I, I think great things are going to come out of uh, Carson. So I'm excited to uh, see what he can do on the field on Saturday. Yeah, I, absolutely, Kyler. I think that he comes in and – the expectations are high, and I think with good reason. Uh, I think when you look at some of the throws he made, even as a backup, they were solid. And so I think the little taste that we got at Carson Beck was that, hey, if something, God forbid, something happens to Stetson, like we can still, like this train's not stopping due to, you know, a deficiency at quarterback. Um, now, the bottom line is, the thing that Stetson was so incredible at is, you know, just poise under pressure. And honestly, he seemed to get better when you turn the pressure up. And that is a rare trait. It's a rare feature. And I do think that I do think that some Georgia fans probably are underestimating uh, the the ability of Stetson in that in those moments. Um, and, you know, not many people can rise to the occasion, but that also doesn't mean that Beck isn't also one of those people. And to your point, he's, you know, he's had the chance and opportunity to be around those people. And I think, you know, it was all the way back when Fromm was here. And so it's like, he's also seen it on, and you mentioned JT Daniels. So he's also seen people, you know, kind of crumble under the pressure on some level when the, you know, pressure gets turned up. So I feel like he's seen it on both sides. So maybe he's learned what not to do, or maybe Stetson has something. I do think that some of that is uh, just mental like composition and is beyond what anyone can actually train to do. But as well, I don't think that that, once again, doesn't mean that he doesn't have the same mental makeup that Stetson had and that same just like tough as metal, I'm going to go in there and do it. We just haven't seen it yet. So uh, we know he can make all the throws. We know he has a plethora of talent around him. And I think that is one thing to be said, as you said, too, to the defensive line. It's like we are replacing some irreplaceable parts. Um, you know, Jalen Carter, what an incredible just athlete. Uh, you know, he's going to make a lot of money in the NFL, bottom line. And Stetson, I think Stetson's going to make some money in the NFL, too. I think that he's a guy who's, yeah, just was, you know, on the Mount Rushmore of, of Georgia, of Georgia football players, of Georgia athletes in general. But, yeah, with that said, 
we bring back a lot of players with a lot of experience. Yes, they might not have all started, but that doesn't mean that they all weren't a part of the rotation. And this is getting back to what, you know, why Kirby Smart is just a, has built a juggernaut is that he does a really good job of, I feel like rotating in some young guys. And so that when it's time for them to take that, you know, to take the mantle, to take that big stage, they're absolutely ready for it because they've only already had the opportunity. Now, maybe it's not to the level that Jalen Carter or Stetson Bennett had, but they still have had cracks at it. They still have had opportunities and, um, you know, going back to kind of minor league baseball and kind of talking about like just what I've seen in watching almost 66 games of the team I work for play is like, it's at bats. It's just cracks, getting those opportunities. Um, that's what makes you better. And as I say, Kirby Smart does a really good job of training up young guys, bring them into the rotation. And that's how you create this consistency. That's how you create the freaking train that is just a freight train running down the running downhill that nobody wants to stop ever. But I think with that said, most fans who have been paying attention know that running back may be a place of concern. Um, Kendall Milton is nursing an injury. Dejan Edwards is nursing an injury. We're very thin. And in fact, I'm pretty sure Brock Bowers might have come out this week and said he'll play running back if he needs to. Um, but it also, you know, while that's funny and while I think he would be nasty at running back, we've seen him run into rounds. It also kind of highlights how thin we are at that position. Um, speak to your concerns on that. And on top of that, you know, what are some things that we might do to mitigate that? I mean, are we going to see some wide receivers switch over to running back, a cornerback that comes over? Like it, it is pretty thin. Yep, you're right. I mean, it's definitely thin right now with with Kendall and and Dejan. You know, our two veteran running backs are, are are on the men right now. I think that we'll see them get you know a, a few toes just to get out there and and get try to you know get get acclimated back to to game speed. But I feel like we're really going to see you know this is the opportunity for you know Andrew Paul, Cash Jones, uh, Roderick Robinson. I think all three of those guys are going to get a lot of totes um, on Saturday. Cash Jones is one guy that really interests me. I keep hearing that he's the you know, pound for pound strongest player on the team. Um, yeah, I really liked what I saw out of him last year. He can catch the balls out of the backfield, stuff like that. So he's a very versatile player, much like a, you know James Cook almost, um, which is great to see out of a, a walk-on running back. And then uh, Andrew Paul, he's coming off of that ACL injury, but – I've heard, heard great things coming out of him in, in fall camp. He's finally getting back up to speed. So, you know, want to see how confident um, Andrew Paul is on that knee. But I think that he's going to be a terrific player for us. And then Roderick Robinson, man, I, I'm excited about this guy. Uh, I mean, the guy's 240, 245 pounds, uh, going to be toting the rock for us. Massive kid out of San Diego. So, um, he's going to get every opportunity to, to, to prove himself and, and, you know, crack the rotation once the other guys get back. So um, there, there's still talent there. Um, I do think that we'll, we'll you know, utilize uh, Dominic Lovett and Arian Smith on some of these jet sweep type plays. Um, see a little bit of Brock Bowers. We're going to try to utilize Brock in every way that we can. Um, you know, those are some of the weapons that we have, um, you know, outside of the running back position to kind of help mitigate um, some of the injuries that we have early on at the running back position. But I think we're going to be just fine there um, when it's all said and done. You know, like we've, met, we've mentioned, we've got a, a few games where um, we get to 
uh, test our depth and, and try to develop, uh, you know, at, at all positions, but especially the running back. I think it's extremely important to get, um, you know, those three guys that I mentioned, um, totes and, and get them uh, you know, used to playing in these big time game atmospheres and stuff like that. So, uh, but yeah, look for cash Roderick and uh, Andrew Paul, all three of those guys, um, you know, have, have a lot of potential. They, they all bring something different to the game. So, I'm excited to see all of them and, and what they do on Saturday as well. Uh, but, but you know, what about you, Matt? What do you see as kind of some, you know, any other glaring issues uh, on this team that um, to start the season that we need to be concerned about? Well, I, I think it's the thing you brought up, the defensive line and, you know, where we get pressure. And I will say that while we want to get pressure from many different places, we haven't had that dominant nose tackle we have had issues even under Kirby. And I think it was, and up until a couple of years ago when we had that nice run of, you know, Jordan Davis into Jalen Carter, I feel like it still was a, was kind of an issue for us. And, you know, while I love Zion Logue and I love Nazir Stackhouse, they're not, they're not those guys. Um, and I do think that they're going to do great and they are going to continue the streak that we have of being the nation's toughest run defense. Uh, I do think they provide that, but there's something special about those, you know, other two that I mentioned that were first round draft picks. Um, there's a reason why they were drafted in the first round. So, yeah. So the bottom line is I think that, I do think that that is going to be a problem and I do think that's going to be an issue for us. And I do think it's going to be fun to see how we get pressure in different areas. And I think that we can mitigate that. I think the one kind of kicker to that. And the one thing that I think might kind of change things a little bit is the fact that you look at the defensive backfield. Well, basically from linebacker back and this team is absolutely loaded. I mean, Jamon Dumas Johnson, Xavier Sori, Samal Munden, Chaz Chambliss, Kamari Lassiter, Javon Bullard, Malachi Starks. I mean, Dalen Everett, not as tested, but I think, you know, appears to be every bit the guy that we thought he was. And then Tyke Smith, who seems to be finally back to where he was when he was playing at West Virginia. And I mean, you look at that that list of that I just named off and that, I mean, I feel like that is as strong of a defensive back seven, eight as anywhere in the, you will not find anywhere that's close to that good. Um, but maybe I'm being a homer. I mean, what do you think? No, no. I think that, that you're spot on um, with that analysis. I think that our, our back eight is, is, you know, the best that I've seen, um, from a Kirby defense, um, you know, we're, you know, I know that we're not going to be able to get the same sort of pressure from, you know, Nazar Stackhouse, Zion Luke, Tramel Walthour. Um, but you know, I, you know, I do want to talk about Michael Williams though. I mean, that, that kid, yeah, he led our team in sacks last year and I think he is prime for a huge year. I think that, you know, on the defensive line, that's going to be the main guy that, that that's generating the pressure, but you know, since we don't have it in the middle, I mean, I think that, you know, we see Kirby um, in this defense, you know, orchestrate pressure in all different kinds of ways. Um, you know, we've got some linebackers that um, have, you know, great pass rushing abilities. Like Jalen Walker last year already uh, developed a package for himself. 
um, you know, on those third down situations to get out there and get after the quarterback. And he did a terrific job last year. Um, I think that, you know, we see Smile Mondin um, as another guy, you know, getting after the quarterback rushing. He's a guy with a lot of speed. Um, Xavier Sori, I see, I see him getting uh, in on the rotation as well. Um, you know, he's a guy with a lot of speed and athleticism. So there's, there's guys at those positions, uh, you know, at the linebacker position that are going to be able to uh, make a name for themselves. A lot of opportunity because we're not going to be able to, to generate the pressure, um, you know, like we did with, with Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis right there in the middle. Um, you know, Devontae Wyatt, throw his name in there too. But, um, you know, there's, there's a, you know, a ton of talent on, on this defense. And, you know, don't forget, you know, you know Javon Bullard last year, not saying that he's going to play this kind of role, but our star position is, you know, one of our best ways of orchestrating pressure um, against Hendon Hooker in Tennessee, two sacks. Um, he was absolutely fierce coming off the edge last year, uh, getting after Hendon Hooker, which was a great thing to see. But I think we see the same thing out of uh, Tyke Smith. Um, you know, he Tyke is excellent against the run. He can, he can get pressure. And I think he got a sack last year against uh, – against TCU in the in the last game. So expecting big things from him. And then there's a guy right behind him nipping at his heels, ready to take his position full-time, a true freshman by the name of Jonel Aguero. This is a guy that I'm probably the most excited about out of the freshman class um, that has the best opportunity to to see the field and, and make a significant impact. Um, you know, Tyke can't get out there every single play. And so it's going to be awesome to have this – you know, true freshman ready to make a name for himself, uh, you know, ready to play ball. Um, he's he's a guy that's played at the highest level of high school football. I think he did his junior year at the IMG Academy before going back to his hometown in, uh, in Massachusetts and playing up there. Um, so excited to see what he can do. And I think that, you know, a combination of bringing in, you know, some of these nickelbacks and, and you know, uh, these linebackers that we have, I think we're going to be able to orchestrate some, some really good pressure out there. And then, you know, at the outside linebacker position, um, you know, I, I, I don't see Chaz Chambliss as, as a great pass rusher. I think that he's incredible at setting the edge and just being one of the toughest men on planet earth. But um, you know, we got Marvin Jones and, and Darius Smith. I feel like they're not getting talked about enough uh, this fall that, that are uh, kind of lengthy guys that, that uh, can, can bring an element of pass rush as well. So, um, you know, the talent is there and then there's all kinds of freshmen too that, that, you know, I don't think are going to play as much that, that have, you know, these pass rushing abilities like Damon Wilson, Samuel and Pembo is very raw, um, hasn't been playing, you know, football too long, but is an absolute athletic freak. But, um, you know, I think, you know, Marvin Jones and Darius Smith are going to be, um, getting at their quarterback as well. So there's just, you know, a ton of different guys out there with, that are very athletic, you know, Kirby's, you know, recruiting over the past, you know, three or four years you know, and the development they do within this program, we're going to be just fine. And we're going to be able to mask any kind of um, deficiencies there on the defensive line with, with, with pass rush. Yeah, I really think that, you know, you bring up some great points about how we are able to bring pressure from a lot of different places. And I do agree that I think that there is more talent like, Michael Williams is more talented than uh, Lorenzo Carter. And that's saying something, Lorenzo Carter was a first-round draft pick, but that's who we kind of have to compare that to because you think about those times when Lorenzo was around and those were the ones that was, – that was the same time um, that we kind of had – 
for most of Lorenzo's career, we did not have a dominant defensive tackle. So the bottom line is that's kind of how I view it is like, okay, who are those guys? And yes, we have first round talent, but I don't think that they, you know, that they run to the level of Michael. I think Michael could end up being, you know, a top three, top five, more along the lines of like a Jalen Carter um, than a, you know, Trayvon Walker. Yes. Trayvon Walker, who obviously ended up being the number one pick. Now, when it comes to um, when it comes to the star position, I, I think that we have not seen Tyke Smith that much. I mean, we saw him some last year, but I am excited to see what he's going to bring. I know he was a headhunter at West Virginia, and so I tend to think that he's going to find that, you know, and that's what we've heard, at least in the offseason, is that he really has totally healed from his injuries, and he's back to – you know, what we kind of expected when he first got on campus in Athens. Um, and, you know, the, the linebackers, I think we are going to bring pressure from from every different, you know, linebacker that we have. I think that it, it is about confusion, and that's something that George has been really good at. And it does seem like one underrated thing and one thing that I think is always tough is that, you know, losing an inside linebacker, losing your quarterback, for, you know, is never easy. But I think that Jamon Dumas Johnson has really taken that mantle, has really taken that approach of that, like, I'm going to be that vocal guy and I'm going to be the quarterback of the defense. And I think that we need that under Kirby Smart. I think we run pretty simple base sets, but it's very complex in, in the wrinkles and you need somebody who kind of is seeing through everything and calling everything out to everyone else. And for us, it's always been that inside linebacker position. And so um, I think that's huge. And I think he's just going to continue showing um, maturation in that role, which is underrated in, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, Jamon, I mean, I didn't even highlight him in, in the group of, of athletic defenders in the back eight, but I um, mean, you know, he's a guy that, he was all American last year. And I think that he's going to have a similar type season this year, probably lead our team in tackles. Uh, but the, the biggest thing with him, you know, it's not necessarily his athletic ability, his tackling ability, but um, he's a true leader um, on this defense. He's not afraid to hold the other guys on the field accountable, uh, make sure that they're upholding the standard. So, uh, you know, I expect big things from him on the leadership front, um, you know, with, with Jamon um, and, I had a big season last year. I think he's going to couple it up with an even bigger season this year. So I'm excited to see, um, you know, what he does this year as well. Absolutely. I, I think that, you know, we, we could honestly go on for hours talking about every single different defensive player because I just think that they're not only – yes, there's guys like Chaz Chambliss that might not be – like the most athletically gifted players, the really hard nosed, great players. And I mean, don't sleep on his athleticism. If you're playing and you're starting for Georgia, you're very athletic. It's just, we have so many athletic freaks on this team. And, you know, I look at our safeties like Javon Bullard and Malachi Starks, like those two guys are that tandem. I feel like we've always had hard nosed, hard hitting guys, the J.R. Reeds of the world who were really, really great college players, all Americans in college. But I don't feel, I feel like those guys, these two that we have now 
are just as hard hitting and as hard nosed as every single else. You know, Javon Bullard, case in point, the national semifinal game that, you know, was the most talked about play. But like, I mean, take whatever you want from it. Bottom line is the guy is a freaking freight train anytime he gets moving. And you pair that with Malachi Starks, who we saw so much from last season, is just ability to go up in the air and and get the ball. And it's just those two guys are just athletic freaks in addition to being ball hawks. And I feel like really disciplined players too. Uh, yeah, I, I might be more excited about that position group than any other. Yeah, same here. I mean, this is the most excited I've been about two safeties at Georgia since Thomas Davis and Greg Blue. Um, yeah, we've got – yeah, Malachi, I, I felt like he played last year. Um, you know, I've heard Kirby say it as well, but you know, just because we needed him, not because he was ready to play, but we needed him to play. Um, but he you know, showed up for his moment, uh, came up big in the Oregon game, got a, got a massive interception. Uh, but but he's a guy that's going to continue to progress and, and um, have an even bigger role in this defense, you know, uh, on the back end there. And then Javon Bullard, I mean, he was a safety before he ever played star. He had to learn star. Um, you know, the past couple of years, but uh, his natural position safety. Um, and this is what they, you know, Kirby's been talking about um, in, in his press conferences about, you know, this isn't that, that difficult of an adjustment for him. And, and uh, he made several plays last year on the back end, um, tracking down interceptions. So I mean, I've seen that kind of ability uh, that he needs as a safety. And obviously um, the guy brings the wood. Marvin Harrison will tell you um, as much. I mean, the guy, the guy plays an extremely physical brand of football. Um, he's just one of those tough middle Georgia guys from Milledgeville. Um, and, and, uh, and that's that kind of physicality that Kirby wants from his defense. I mean, he's another leader on this team that um, I look to as, uh, you know, one, one of the key pieces of the defense is Javon Bullard. He's so, he's so versatile. If something happens with, you know, Tyke, he can slide down there and we can put someone else back there at safety. But, uh, yeah, I, I expect big things from him um, on the back end this year. He and Malachi are going to be – quite the tandem. So I, I'm excited to see what they do together. Um, yeah, I feel like, you know, Bullard can, can be kind of the quarterback on the backside of, um, you know, there at safety and, and you know, call out uh, plays and, and, and coverages and all that kind of stuff. So excited uh, to see those two. Um, you're right. But with, uh, with that analysis of being excited about them, we have every right to be pumped up about those two. Yeah, and Bullard also, you know, had quite a few sacks last year too. I mean, he's a guy, as I say, he's a, just an absolute freight train. And I think he's one of those guys paired with Malachi Starks who are going to be you're, it's going to be very difficult to go over the top on us is the bottom line. Um, and I think that that really shortens the field for team. When, when you're shortening the field, it yeah, having two guys back there like that is is going to be one of the biggest things I think for our offense or for our defensive line's ability to get to them, um, and especially in the first few games, um, having a defensive backfield like that to kind of help once again seeing your defensive line get their sea legs, kind of figuring out all right, we're gonna we're gonna take a different approach because we need to bring pressure differently this year. Uh, it, it's going to be huge. Uh, and I think that, yeah, I just think that those two guys are going to be, I mean, we might see, we might see both of them as all Americans. I, I, I really would not 
I mean, that's that's actually my boldest prediction. I'm going to say that we are going to have a free safety and a strong safety who are both all American. That's uh, I I dig it. I dig it. Those two guys are, are just incredible. And people uh, forget about the play that Malachi made. I mean, I think you know people like to point to you know, the big interception at Oregon, but, you know, his biggest play of the year was against uh, Missouri. Um, and, it, and it wasn't like a positive play for the Georgia Bulldogs, but he chased down uh, someone right at the goal line in the Missouri game and they had to settle for a field goal. He doesn't make that play. We don't, you know, come out of this season unscathed. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited about, you know, his big playability this year. And, and you yeah, know, as a sophomore, um, with one year under his belt, I think that we're you know going to see some big things from him again this year. Yeah, and, and I will say, like uh, Malachi was is a preseason first team All American, AP All American, and Javon Bullard is a preseason second team All American. So it's not like what I'm going out. I'm not going too far out on a limb, but I do think it's been a bit of time since we've seen two guys be this dominant. I'm sure Bama probably has had that somewhere down the line, but. Uh, you know, I, I like to be Georgia centric on this podcast. Certainly in Georgia, there's no doubt, as you said, probably since Buck Ballou and uh, and old Thomas Davis, my Carolina Panther homeboy. Uh, but uh, let's so, Kyle, that really leaves us just two position groups that we haven't touched on, and that would be the offensive line and our wide receivers and tight ends. Uh, and I kind of group them together. Um, Obviously, I think we all know what Brock Bowers brings to the table. If you want to touch on him, you can. But I think that, I mean, he's he's the most dominant tight end in college football, and it's not close. And you talk to anybody in there, you know, I mean, he's a once-in-a-generational talent. Um, and it, and it, I just think it's kind of funny given the fact that, you know, we had Darnell Washington on this team and this, and that guy is an absolute freak and he wasn't even the best tight end like that to me kind of blows my mind. Uh, and also just speaks to how freaking good Brock Bowers is, but um, you know, then you move to the wide receiver position and I think uh, Rosamie Jack Saint, as well as Lab McConkey, two guys that, that are established and that we know a lot about, um, but why don't you speak to a lot of the these new guys who have um, who are coming in um, either by transfer or you know are just going to be playing a bigger role in the offense? Um, and you know you could start by talking about the wide receivers and tight ends, and then we can move into the offensive line. Yeah, I mean at the at the wide receiver position, you know you nailed it with with McConkey and, and Rosaby Jackson. Both those guys uh, are proven um, reliable. Um, players on this team, um, you know, it's it's amazing what Rosemary Jackson um, came back from, from from a pretty gruesome injury against Florida. I think it was 2020 um, when we had the. Uh, it was ridiculous. We had um, the guy that transferred out to Temple, Dewan Mathis, was playing some quarterback. I mean, we uh, we couldn't get it figured out that game. That was you know one a tough one, but you know he bounced back from that injury and. Uh, you know, came back as a reliable receiver for us. Um, but, you know, we, we did lose a good receiver uh, that, that transferred out to Texas, um, caught, caught a lot of big balls for us. But, um, you know, we, we went out and got, you know, the, the top wide receiver from, from Mississippi State and the top wide receiver at Missouri. And, and, and the guy from Missouri, Dominic Lovett, I feel like that's the guy um, that, that you really need to remember. 
Um, this guy was a great return man for, for Missouri, but was also their leading receiver. Um, he, he's a terrific talent from East St. Louis, Illinois, very, very tough part of the world. So, um, you know, he's got, you know, similar to Tyke Smith's got that, that um, inner city kind of, kind of toughness there um, that we like, you know, those guys are, are hungry and, and they want to do great things. So uh, I'm excited about, about him and, and, and you know, playing that slot um, receiver role. Um, and then, you know, Ra Thomas is the, is the guy out of Mississippi state. Um, he was their top receiver. I've been hearing that he's having a little bit of trouble with the playbook and, and I know he's nursed a uh, few injuries here and there. So I'm interested to see kind of where he's at game one. Uh, I want to see him get out there um, and, and how he's, he's coming along. But he, he's extremely athletic and can go up and, and go get the ball. Um, you know, got mad vertical jump, um, just extremely athletic. So uh, I'm excited to see him in the red and black as well as Dominic Lovett. But um, who I'm looking to, 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 to really step it up and have a bigger role um, is Arian Smith. Um, I feel like he was, more in, you know, unique situations for us um, as a deep threat. I think we see him, you know, more than just a, a deep threat this year and try to orchestrate different ways to get him the ball. Um, you know, because he, he's battled injuries on and off, and, and I feel like he's purely relied on his speed uh, um, to get open, which he's still going to do this year and, and take the tops off of defenses, which, you know, kind of opens things up for, for the run game as well. But, uh, you know, I'm looking for Arian to have a big year. I mean, that guy's too good of an athlete not to um, step it up this year. And I know that he's excited for this opportunity. Um, he's a very confident kid that has been waiting for his moment. In his mind, he, he still claims that he hasn't played a lot of football here at Georgia. So I'm um, excited for him to take that next step. Um, still have some pretty good role players there at the wide receiver position and, and Dylan Bell um, as well. I thought that he – kind of came on last year. So excited to see him uh, another year in the system. And then uh, I also want to see Makai Muse and what he can do. Um, we all got a taste of him in the spring game. And I feel like he got a lot of chatter then. And he's a guy that, um, you know, has the respect of his teammates. He comes in and, and, and works hard every single day. So, um, you know, that, that's another name to look out for this year as a guy that you can also see some, some time returning punts and kicks and, and, um, on special teams. So, uh, but yeah, a lot of talent there, the wide receiver room. Yeah. And, and you did mention it, A.D. Mitchell, huge loss. Um, the best of luck to him though, as we, we talked about it and it's like, you know, to all the haters out there talking trash. I mean, he had some of the biggest catches and the biggest games for us. So uh, if, without A.D. Mitchell, you know, we might not be back-to-back national champions. So I think at this point, like he got a sweet, uh, NIL deal supposedly, and as well uh, is a new father. So you, you understand it, you get it. It's, it. People leave, people do different things. Uh, no hate to him. And I hope that, you know, he does really well for Texas, but as well, we went out and to your point, got Dominic Lovett and got Ra Ra Thomas, two really, really good wide receivers and it's not like the cupboard was totally bare. I think Arian Smith, I total, I absolutely agree with you that, he, you know, he was the one guy I didn't mention who I do believe has had a decent amount or at least, you know, he ends up taking the top off defenses. So he's memorable because he has a lot of touchdowns, at least for Georgia, because if he's gone, he's gone. But I agree that he is going to be used in more short yardage type of plays. And, you know, I think that, as he grows within the system, he's becoming a more crisp route runner and 
you know, with that, I, I honestly believe that he will be employed in in different in different ways for this team for sure. And especially, you know, something he's already done and I believe will continue to do is, you know, taking misdirections out of the backfield and things of that nature, especially if we're thin at the running back position, we're certainly going to, I think, use him maybe possibly in the backfield a little bit in just interesting ways to, um, you know, to create the run game. Uh, But, I'm not sure if you have anything else to say about the wide receiver room, but if not, let, let's move on to the last the last group, those offensive linemen. That's why we saved the best for last, Matt. All right. I, I'm going to get a little fired up for these guys. Um, yeah, been snubbed the last two years by uh, by the whoever votes on the Joe Moore Offensive Line Award. Um, for whatever reason, they love these media darlings up in Ann Arbor. And they keep giving them the award. I think that this is the year that we slam that door shut, um, mainly because, you know, we're hungry for it. And, you know, the players know that, that, that we're supposed to be the number one offense, offensive line in the country. And I, I fully believe that we are. Um, I know that we lost, um, you know, a lot of talent on, the, on that line with, with Warren McClendon and um, – and Broderick Jones uh, heading to to the league, two great players in their own right. But uh, I feel like we're replacing them with uh, first-round talent um, at at the tackle position. Um, Amarius Mims, I mean, I think that guy's going to be a top-five draft pick. I mean, he's got all the measurables. um, He's just an absolute freak of a human. So I'm excited to see that guy get out there, absolutely bully some people, and then – Ernest Green, I think that, you know, they haven't announced that he's the starter, but I think that he's the starter. It's him and Austin Blasky out there, and I'll focus my, my attention on Ernest Green. He's a guy from uh, Bellflower, California, went to St. John Bosco. And, that, and that's when you know our recruiting's at an elite level. We can go pluck uh, the top offensive lineman out of the state of California and bring him over to Georgia, have him starting in year two. So I'm just – Excited about him. Um, you know, the one knock on Ernest right now is he's got to get a little bit better in pass pro from, from what I'm hearing. Um, but, at, you know, as a, as a run blocker, he's ready. Um, he's going to absolutely be dominant, um, you know, in the run game, um, absolutely mauling defenders. So excited to see him. And then the middle of our offensive line is, is incredible. Um, Xavier Trust, a lot of experience at that left guard position. Uh, I think that, you know, he has another big year this year. Um, Cedric Van Pran, the best center um, in the country. Um, you know, terrific leader as well. So I'm um, excited to, to, for, about him and, you know, have no worries about the offensive line because of Cedric Van Pran. He's the one, you know, calling out uh, you know, different blocking schemes and all of that. So he'll have the offensive line ready. And then Tate, Tate Ratledge, you know, really came into his own last year. Um, the guy's an incredible uh, run blocker, um, extremely tough kid, has a lot of grit, um, you know, plays very physical. So uh, I'm excited about this group, and they're, they're going to get the Joe Moore Award this year. Um, I don't think it's, you know, uh, going out on a limb or anything like that because they've been snubbed the last two years. And I think that, you know, everyone who knows anything about football um, would agree with that statement. So this is the year where they finally, you know, 
put that exclamation point on, on their body of work and they earned that uh, Joe Moore award this year. I do agree, Kyler. Uh, to your point, we lost a lot of talent, but there's still a lot coming back. And the guys that we've brought in uh, to the system and now have had a chance to kind of get in the weight room and put on some pounds and put on some just overall experience are, are ready to take that mantle and kind of be that next generation of guys who uh, have really just manhandled the line for Georgia for the last, as far as I can remember back, honestly, we've, we've had really dominant offensive lines. Um, I think back to honestly, maybe Kirby smarts first season or second season was the last time we really had any issues by season three. Certainly we had, I feel like um, taking care of any deficiencies and yes, it's an absolute strength. And uh, look, thinking back to that, Michigan game in the uh, national semifinal two years ago. I mean, that to me is a perfect embodiment of, you know, two different offensive lines and, you know, going up against supposed really good defensive lines. Like it was basically a line on line. And in both cases, Georgia dominated, I felt like. So um, take that for what you're worth, what it's worth. But uh, I do think that when it comes down to it, you know, we have at least the national championship mantle or trophy in the case to say, ah, who is the who is the best offensive line A? But um, yeah, I, I I totally agree. I think that uh, offensive line is going to be a strength for us this year and uh, is going to be one of the strongest in the country. So, and I think a lot of our uh, you know the credit that this defensive line gets is is you know. Going up against our offensive line week in, week out in practice, and, you know, that's straight up the definition of iron sharpening iron right there. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think that our defensive line would be where they would are right now, um, you know, with you know, even our current players and past players without having to go up against uh, these studs week in and week out um, on our offensive line. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. That that iron sharpening iron, and we've seen it in, you know, I think Alabama, once again, they kind of are the blueprint. And I think that we saw it when they were in their heyday, and I, there's a lot of people that still believe they're there, but where it just was like eh, practice was 10 times harder than the games. And you hear that from Georgia players all the time now that, you know, guys in the NFL being interviewed and saying, yeah, this is not that much more difficult or much different because I was at Georgia and these practices were honestly 10 times more difficult because we were more physical and X, Y, and Z. I mean, uh, yeah, I think that uh, it's iron sharpening iron. And I do think that that just continues to pay dividends. And as long as you continue to build that culture, it's going to continue that way. And the young guys are going to, you know, take after the old guys and uh, that, you know, I'll say in a quick aside about how we haven't gotten every guy we want on the recruiting trail, but we've gotten a lot. And I think that's one thing that's underrated about Kirby's recruiting is I think he's recruiting guys who take to coaching and take to a challenge and take to like not being just given things and like, Hey, you're going to have to fight for every, every scrap you get on this team. And, uh, yeah, that just that ends up paying dividends down the down the way. And I think to, you think back to Mark Richt and I think Rick at the end of his time, he really was recruiting talent and trying to recruit talent. But I don't think he was recruiting the best players to, you know, kind of play within his system. And it kind of imploded and it's easier 
said than done. Um, it's really, really difficult to go out and recruit high-level talent players that also buy into your system. So uh, I just think kudos to Kirby for doing that, and the train keeps rolling. Um, now, Kyler, I we talked about the team, but now let's talk about the schedule. Uh, it's not the most difficult schedule, <laughs> but if you were to say one game worries you, uh, what would it be? Uh, I think a lot of people probably would say Tennessee and Knoxville in November, but are, are you on that train too? Or do you think there's another game that maybe Georgia fans aren't thinking about as much that is a dangerous, maybe trap game? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm on the same page as most Georgia fans. Um, if, if we catch um, Tennessee at night um, in Neyland stadium, you know, three thirty, seven o'clock game, uh, that's that's a tough atmosphere to play in. Um, you know, I've even heard it from Tate Ratledge. Uh, you know that that's the toughest place to play um, in the SEC. And as much as that hurts me to hear that from you know one of our own, uh, but there is a lot of truth to that. I've been to games there at, uh, at University of Tennessee, and, the, and their fans do a great job getting up for every single game. And, and they're also talented. Um, you know, Joe Milton is a great quarterback. Um, you know. We'll see this year if, if he's, you know, I think that he'll have a better season than Hendon Hooker. I think that, that he's going to do some really good things, and that's a very dangerous Tennessee team. But if I had to do, you know, uh, a couple of other games that that scare me, Auburn at Jordan O'Hare, any time we play there uh, is scary just because there's some sort of uh, voodoo, you know, uh, seventh round type stuff going on in that stadium. I know that Bama fans can, can relate, um, you know, uh, the, the play with uh, Trey Matthews and uh, I forgot the guy's name from Valdosta, Lowndes County, um, Clemens, um, Josh Harvey Clemens. Uh, you know, that play was just, you know, absolute tearjerker for, for us dog fans. So, but in the day, Auburn's not that good. So, uh, you know, that's, there's that. So um, outside of any voodoo, I think we take care of business there. And then I think that the next biggest challenge is probably South Carolina. Uh, they really ended the season quite well last year. Um, they had a big win against, uh, against Tennessee, um, shredding his ACL. Um, that might have been the game that I enjoyed the most last year. Um, maybe even more so than our national championship. I would say the semifinal game was, I enjoyed that more, but, um, you know, seeing South Carolina beat Tennessee was huge. Um, and then they followed that up with a win against Clemson. So, um, you know, and Shane Beamer, I love this guy as a coach. I think that he's just ultimate positivity. Um, you know, I think that he's got the, um, his players believing in, in him and, and what they're doing there. And so, um, honestly, you know, outside of uh, Tennessee, I see South Carolina being uh, the next biggest challenge for us on our schedule. Yeah, Kyler, I, you know, tend to agree with your assessment. I will say I think Ole Miss could present an issue. I know it's in Athens, so that's a good thing. And uh, by the time they're playing us, they're going to have played at Tulane, who's a ranked team at Alabama, LSU at home, and, you know, the week before they play us, they play Texas A&M at home, um, who I think is going to be a much improved team. So when you are uh, just talking about going through that gauntlet, you know, you also have Arkansas and Auburn thrown in there. 
I just think that by the time they reach us, it might not, they might not be the team that we see right now preseason. Uh, but that is one more game that I think could be an issue. Yeah, I think you're right about Ole Miss. Um, yeah, I've kind of kind of overlooked them just with them being in the West, not playing them um, every year. But you know, I think they have the best running back in the SEC and Quinshawn Judkins. Um, you know, Lane Kiffin went out and brought in I think seven or eight quarterbacks. I mean, I'm kind of exaggerating, but Walker Howard, uh, the kid from Oklahoma State, um, Jackson Dart still there. I mean, it's just. You know, he's creating a lot of competition um, and, you know, in the spring and the fall uh, between these guys and, and you know, kind of letting the cream rise to the top. So, um, you know, they'll, they'll have a good quarterback. They'll have a good running back. So the offense will be very formidable for, for them and puzzle, you know, a threat for our defense. But um, when it's all said and done, I do think that, you know, our, our defensive line, we've never had trouble stopping the run. So I think that kind of X's out everything with, with Quinshawn Judkins um, and, and the kind of the threat that he poses, uh, but very physical back and, and I would love to have them on our squad. Maybe he'll transfer for his uh, third year in, in college football to us. Well, that would be pretty cool. But, um, and then, you know, whoever, you know, ends up taking over the, the, the quarterback role for them, um, you know, is going to be good. But, you know, I think that our defense is just that talented that it's going to offset, you know, how good they are on offense. I think that they're going to have a good year on offense um, down there in Oxford, but you know, when they meet the dogs, they're going to meet their match. Um, no question about that in my mind. Yeah. And home cooking is there's nothing like a, a game in Athens for the home team. And we saw that last year when Tennessee rolled into town um, riding high and just, you know, that defense between the defense and the fans that totally kind of took the wind out of their sails pretty quickly. Um, the other team that I do think is is fascinating to me on our schedule is Missouri. Um, obviously, they, they were our biggest test last year. Um, surprisingly, the most difficult team that, you know, at least if you go by pretty much every metric, uh, that was the most difficult game before we met Ohio State. And I think that they're a team that is, uh, you know, last year showed a lot of promise didn't, you know, didn't come through against Georgia and had a few other really close losses, still made a bowl game. But I mean, they were uh, on a razor's edge of being like 10 and two versus six and six. And so I, I'm fascinated by them. I, once again, that's a team that comes to Athens. So I think that 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 plays to our advantage. But I do think that there's, um, you know, that we shouldn't take them. Uh, I, we took them for granted last year. We should not take them for granted this year. Yeah, I mean, Missouri, uh, you're crazy if you don't think Eli Drinkowitz is pretty pissed off about um, us stealing their their top wide receiver. So I know he's got this game uh, circled on his calendar. uh, But at the same time, um, you know, anybody who follows recruiting knows that uh, Missouri's probably been our biggest thorn in our side uh, this year on the the recruiting trail. Uh, Williams Inwineri, you know, out of uh, Missouri, he's a – in-state kid for them that I feel like he really wanted to go to Georgia, but, uh, you know, they were able to offer, you know, kind of life-changing money to him probably um, to get him to sway that way. And then I feel like they're going to do the same thing with this kid, Ryan Wingo out of St. Louis, um, another great wide receiver out of the, out of the show me state. So, um, you know, I think that Kirby knows that and he wants to really uh, make an impression on those young kids' minds and say, Hey, 
you know, you can either stay in state or, you know, go up against the dogs and get absolutely whacked there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, but those guys sometimes come back around. And I think that's one thing Kirby's done a great job of is, um, you know, kind of maintaining those open lines of communication so that even when we lose out to someone in the first go round, it's not, it's not, you know, close the door for good. Um, recruiting has changed is the bottom line and there's always opportunities. And if we don't get the guys the first time around, we're going to get somebody like them um, when it comes time to the transfer portal. That's the bottom line. You know, A.D. Mitchell, perfect example. We lose A.D. Mitchell, a huge bummer. I mean, he's an incredible talent, but then Dominic Lovett and Ra-Ra Thomas come in. So that's just that's just college football in 2023. That's just how the game is played, and we're going to play that game, and we're going to be great. Um, now, before we talk, Kyler, about the – Georgia game, which let's be honest, it's not going to be much of a game. UT Martin comes to town and uh, not not the best FCS uh, opponent, but it, it's certainly going to be a great opportunity for us to kind of sharpen our teeth a little bit. And as well, hey, we get a night game in, in Athens. Uh, so, so that's the other good thing. But before we get into that, there are some actually like very good games happening on the first weekend of the season. I just want to get your take on a few of them. First one, I think the marquee matchup of the week, LSU, Florida State, kind of comes back to a, you know, they played two years, both neutral, but neutral home sites. Last year was in New Orleans. This year goes to Orlando. Uh, what do you think? Does, does FSU pull the upset in a more friendly environment? No, sir. They do not pull the upset. I think that, you know, Jaden Daniels is a, I think, don't get me wrong. This is going to be the marquee matchup of the, of the weekend. Um, I, I'm very excited about it. And I do think that I want to give credit to Florida state. I think Jordan Travis is a terrific, uh, terrific quarterback had a great season last year. Um, their running back position is extremely strong. They got a, uh, quite a few guys that can tote the rock very physically there. Um, they're a good team, but I do think LSU, um, you know, is going to be really good this year. Um, they always have the talent at wide receiver. Um, that's never going to be a question there in Baton Rouge. Um, Jaden Daniels does a lot with his legs. Uh, I think that um, him having another year in the SEC, um, you know, he's, he's going to step up his game even more this year. Um, and then on defense, I think that they have the best uh, defensive player in the entire country um, and, and Harold Perkins. I mean, I haven't seen a more entertaining um, you know, defensive football player, I don't know, maybe five years, six years. I mean, I can't even think of anyone that I enjoy watching more than Harold Perkins. But uh, they're getting back Mason Smith on, on the defensive line. It's going to be um, a great game, but I do think that ultimately LSU pulls it off. I, you know, I, and maybe this is just me placating my boss, but I kind of feel like Florida State, Jordan Travis, uh, I feel like they might come through. Uh, I think it's going to be an incredible game. I agree with you. I do think that it's going to be much watch television. You're going to want to be at your TV unless you have to be at a minor league baseball game, but I digress. All right, just a few other games, and I don't necessarily want to cover all these, but I'm just curious I'm going to list off a group of games, and I want you to tell me, Kyler, if you see an upset from any of these. we got East Carolina going on the road to Michigan. 
You've got Virginia on the road playing in not and well, excuse me, they're actually playing in Nashville, Tennessee, playing Tennessee, Colorado going to TCU uh, to play in Fort Worth. You've got Ohio State visiting Indiana in Bloomington. Boise State travels to Husky Stadium, one of the most difficult stadiums to play in Seattle to take on the Huskies. You've got North Carolina taking on South Carolina. UNC is actually favored in that one. And then the other one that's that's a big spread, over 10 points, West Virginia goes on the road to take on Penn State. So uh, maybe taking away the North Carolina-South Carolina game, I'll let you pick that after. Um, we'll swap that out for Duke and Clemson. Because uh, Clemson goes on the road and takes on Duke in that Monday night slot. Any of those games where you have a t- ten greater than ten point favorite, do you see um, there like, or what do you see being if you don't see an upset in multiple games? Who's the best opportunity at maybe pulling off an upset um, in in those games? Yeah, I mean, out of those games, uh, I've, you know, I think Shadur Sanders, uh, prime time, and his crew. They got a lot better shot than a 20-and-a-half-point spread of winning this game. So, uh, yeah, all eyes are going to be on Fort Worth uh, when that game is on. I thought, you know, because everybody wants to see how Prime and Prime Time and, and his team's going to do this year, and I'm excited about it. Um, I think that it brings a, um, you know, a great element to the, to the sport of uh, college football. Um, he's really created a, a lot of buzz there in Boulder, and, you know, I'm excited to watch that game. I think they got a shot to – um, you know, come out and, and, and start, you know, on the right foot. So I'm, I, I, I got Colorado making this a very close game, and they definitely have a shot at winning. And that is, uh, I don't know. I just, uh, Colorado is the biggest quagmire for me, Kyler. I, I really think that uh, you hear everything from them being respectable to them being terrible, one of the worst rosters in all of football. And they did have, tons of defections and they didn't replace necessarily all those defections. Yes. Shadur Sanders is an, you know, was an incredible quarterback, but, uh, or has been at least in his past few seasons, we haven't seen him play at this level yet. And as well, uh, you know, what are the pieces around him? Do they have enough around um, some of the star power that they brought in to really make a competent roster? And I mean, we've seen it at Georgia where, you know, you can have a few good players, but it takes more than just a few to to really, you know, um, to make the difference. And TCU, yes, they lost some guys from their national championship appearance team, but they're still a very talented team. And so, it, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Um, I think the other game that I think is, is fascinating to me is the um, – Boise State at Washington game. You know, Washington is a team that I don't know. I feel like that Michael Penix might be the guy, and I feel like they might do it. But I also feel like they they stumble in these early season games. Um, they are a team that is a dark horse uh, national title contender. They're in the top ten to begin the season, but they just seem to have a failure to launch. And so I'm very fascinated to see that. I know Boise State might not be quite the team that they've been when they were at their heyday, but I mean, they are still a very talented team and I think could easily 
yeah, bring problems if Washington doesn't bring it from the start. Um, the other game that I'm, I'm interested to see and may end up going to is uh, Clemson-Duke. I think that um, Clemson's another team that should take a step forward this year from where they were last year, but also has had trouble um, in the past few years, has had some turnover with coordinators where you know they didn't for the longest time. And so um, they're a team that I think could easily make the playoffs or could easily flame out and be eight and four and um, how they start the season is going to be huge. And so those are the two games that I think um, maybe more than just like thinking about it from an upset perspective, but also saying like, how do you set the tone for your season? Um, It hasn't been set great by either of those teams. They've had a lot of expectations in the past. Can they finally meet them in 2023? Uh, Time will tell. Uh, I did say that game that's happening in your neck of the woods, North Carolina, South Carolina. Uh, why don't you pick that uh, as our last one before the Georgia game? All right. Uh, I got South Carolina. Um, you know, I Drake May, terrific talent. Um, and coming back to his hometown uh, to, to play a game in the uh, Bank of America Stadium. But, um, this is a pretty big, pretty big South Carolina um, contingency here in Charlotte. Um, apparently, Charlotte kids get in-state tuition at, at South Carolina. That's something that I didn't know until I moved here. But um, there's going to be a big, uh, you know, big coop of chickens, uh, you know, ready, ready to get loud and, and treat this like Williams Bryce on on Saturday. And so uh, I think that they have a little bit of edge on the fan side over there. Um, and I'm not saying full out home field advantage, but they're gonna they're gonna feel the momentum of their crowd. Um, and then you know, Spencer Rattler another year to mature and get better. Um, Juice Wells terrific uh, wide receiver. Um, you know they lost uh, a great tight end to Florida State, um, Jaheim Bell, but um, I, I like what Shane Beamer's doing down there, and I think they have a um, you know exclamation point of a win to, to set the tone for their season. Yeah, I. This is a tough one, but once again, I, I think that North Carolina falls under that category of those last two teams I was talking about, Kyler, of just not setting the tone right. And I do think Shane Beamer is a really good coach. And in these types of spots, it, it seems like he's really good. Like I, we've talked about this previously. I think that I do think he ends up back up at Virginia Tech at some point because I think he realizes that against the top tier level of the SEC competing against those teams week in, week out. I don't think South Carolina has it to do that. Now I could be surprised, but I I think that they're kind of, you know, they, they kind of have a ceiling of 10 wins, but they are going to be an incredibly tough out as we saw last year with Tennessee and the way they absolutely eviscerated them. Uh, Yeah. If you don't come in, you know, with your head on a swivel, it, it can be a long, it can be a long afternoon, and to the point, I think that it will be a similar split to when Georgia and Clemson played in Charlotte just a few years ago. Um, and so, North Carolina, I do not think will have an advantage from a fan perspective. And so, um, yeah, it, it, and just it doesn't. Yeah, I think that while North Carolina has a slight advantage, I just. I need to see something from their defense. I need to see that they actually have a pulse um, because last year was pretty pathetic. And I know that they've done some things to upgrade it, but I just, uh, until I see them actually being able to stop someone, 
I have to believe that South Carolina is going to pull that game out. I have to believe that it just kind of plays to beamer ball strengths of like, okay, get some stops and, you know, we'll make it happen on offense. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that they're in for, for, you know, a good season this year. Um, I think that, you know, Spencer Rattler, um, you know, had his uh, hiccups, um, you know, there with, uh, with Oklahoma. And I think that he just needed a, um, needed a change of pace from, uh, from Norman and, and everything that was going on there. Um, so yeah, I, I'm excited to see that game. Um, it's going to be here in Charlotte. Um, might, might pop down there and, and experience the tailgate and then hit a, hit a bar to watch the rest of the games. But, um, you know, it, it'll be a great game and I'm excited about it. And it's just a huge, um, you know, it doesn't get more exciting than opening weekend of, of college football. I mean, I'm just so pumped, uh, you know, for the dogs to you know go up against a different uniform and, and see what we're made of. So um, exciting times. It is very exciting times, and and with that said, Kyler, let's let's get right into it. What is your prediction for this first game? It's not a it's not going to be a very exciting contest, but uh, anytime Georgia plays, it's 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 exciting. So um, I know that's an oxymoron, but if you get it, you get it. Um, what yeah? What are your thoughts? What do you think the the final score is going to be? How do you think it's going to play out? I'm going to go with fifty nine nothing. Um, that's a, you know, that's a pretty big gap there. Uh, but you know, we put up 65 in the national championship last year. Um, no reason we can't put up 50 plus this year. Excited to see Mike Bobo and, and how this offense operates with him. Um, you know, as the, as the offensive coordinator. So I'm excited. Um, you know, I just don't see the UT Martin has, you know, I don't know anything about their squad, but, um, yeah, you know, Tough seeing a you know an average uh, um, FCS opponent doing much on offense against us, and I think that um, you know we we come out hot um, with a lot of points, and then you know kind of kind of milk things towards the end of the game. Um, you know, just a lot of handing the ball off to uh, Roderick Robinson. I think that he's going to be our kind of uh, fourth quarter milk the clock out back, and I think we see a lot of him um, on Saturday. But but yeah, fifty nine nothing. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna see your 59 and go one more uh, 66 nothing. Uh, I think I think we 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 won up our our uh, our performance from the national championship, and I don't know. There's a part of me that thinks that maybe we'll give up seven to ten points. I could see that um, just on you know defensive breakdowns. Um, sometimes that happens in, early in the season, and I feel like. For the team, if you go back to last season, it didn't happen against really against Oregon, but it did happen kind of when we got into, you know, some of our easier opponents. And I think part of that is we're working on things. We're trying different things. We're, you know, it's as much about us sharpening our iron as it is about getting the win. And yes, obviously we want to shut them out, but I think that our coaching staff is also okay with, you know, giving up some points if they're, you know, valuable lessons that can be learned later on um, down in the season. And I think that we're not necessarily trying to play. We're not trying to play to win that game. We're trying to play to win the national championship. Um, And so part of that is obviously beating Tennessee Martin. If you don't beat Tennessee Martin, you don't win the national championship point blank bar none. But it's also about like that 
mentality is like, this is not just this game. It's preparing for, you know, an ultimate future. That's something much more than that. Um, so yeah, maybe we give up some points, but I'm going to say no, 66, nothing. That's what I got. I like it. I like it. I mean, it's going to be dominant um, no matter what the final score is. Um, it's going to be no question that the dogs are the team to beat this year. Um, and we're not playing much of a squad, but we're going to put our athleticism on display on Saturday. And I'm excited to see it. Absolutely. You know, it is going to happen. Uh, and, and we get a night game, uh, even if it is just on ESPN plus, that's all right. Well, Kyler, any final thoughts, any final words before we, before we log off for this episode? Yeah. Yeah. I just want to, you know, point out that with this team, I think the biggest thing, um, is that the connection piece is there. Uh, I think that this is one of the more uh, connected uh, teams that we've had in a while. Um, the leadership is, is outstanding. Uh, I know we've had terrific leaders in the past, like Nolan Smith and Nicobe Dean and uh, you know, some of those guys, Trayvon Walker, but um, I, I really like what we have here. Um, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, really love, uh, really love Cedric Van Pran anchoring that offensive line. Um, you know, holding the rest of those guys accountable to ensure that we do come away with the Joe Moore award. Um, you know, really like Javon Dumas Johnson, you know, he, he's not afraid to, you know, get in the face of his teammates, you know, make sure that they're playing to the standard. Um, Javon Bullard on the back end. Um, I feel like he, he's, you know, just brings that physical toughness to this, uh, to this team. Um, the defensive line is just littered with, uh, you know, redshirt, redshirt seniors. So, um, I feel like the connection piece on this team is so strong that, you know, we're, we're, we're bound to have just an incredible season and, and we're ready to make history. I would agree. I think that, and, and I'm excited to see, you know, with every season, I think it is exciting to see what that connection is, what that connection brings. And while I do think we have great leaders, I think part of that is an unknown with every year until we actually see what's happening on the field in the game. And that's why it's just so exciting to see us playing someone else in a different Jersey. And I think that's, that's all that needs to be said about that. Uh, we did tease it and we're going to be bringing this show in a much different format going forward. Uh, we're going to keep it going probably for the next few weeks while we, while we work out some of that, but we're bringing our talents to, uh, to a new format and, the show is going to open up and be a much more college football show rather than just a Georgia show. We're going to share more with you in the future, but I'm excited about it. You should get excited about it too. I think Kyler's excited about it. You're excited about it, right, Kyler? That's right, man. Uh, I mean, it's uh, don't want to give away, you know, show our cards right now, but I think that, you know, our, our fan base is going to be very excited about it. Um, you know, the, we're going to, you know, convert our folks from, from listeners to potentially viewers. So, um, yeah, little, little, little nugget there for you. Just, just a little sprinkle. Just a little sprinkle. Well, for Kyler Carr, I am Matt Kerr. This has been another Dogs on Top, Even on Bottom podcast. Check us out on Instagram, the underscore D-O-T-E-O-B. Check us out anywhere you get podcasts. So if somehow you're randomly listening to us and you're like, wait, how do do I check this out? Subscribe and tell your friends about us too. We always appreciate that. And as we always end every show, a little go dogs. Go dogs.